Well, part three of uh, season eight that I uh, awkwardly, clumsily, disappointingly named Octopical. Yeah. I can't see why you'd be listening to part three of a 53 series season that has started as boy, what has the first two episodes represented? They are a blend of self-righteous indignation and apologetic frustration that ends up in a tumbleweed of of whininess? I don't know. It's Oh, doesn't sound like I got high enough, which is one of the complaints I have in the episodes. So maybe there was some substance in there of value. I wasn't high enough. So, I think to offset that, I am going to go eat half a gram of chocolate sativa um, activated oil. Be right back. All right, since this is making a rare appearance in my marijuana repertoire, I know it's something I probably haven't spoken about on the podcast, and that is straight-up hash oil. Activated hash oil is something you ingest. You can eat as much of it as you want and see how high you can get. I'm about to squeeze out half a gram, which is coming out in this sort of snaking, about-to-be-dripping-off-the-front-of-the-syringe, but mm, nope, got it. That's half of it. So that was a quarter gram of straight 80% THC concentrate. This kind of shit is not for the uh, THC beginner or intermediate. I mean, anybody can take a little dab off some hash oil, but you don't want to eat half a gram or a gram at a time unless you know what you're doing. Because you will get fucked up. I might get fucked up, but I probably won't. We'll see. Half a gram's not that much. But since the last time I did a half a gram, and this time I thought, ah, I don't want to do the whole gram before going in front of my parents. So I only did a half, and that turned out to be disappointing, so I'm sure this will too. But it means I'll be higher than I was for the first two episodes, which is what we're really going for here, and that's all that matters. Now, kick off some applesauce. Mm-hmm. I do like chugging applesauce. Um, I felt preachy at the end of the last one. And anytime I'm given the vibe of I'm better than you, either it's because I'm talking about my tennis game and right now I'm full of myself when it comes to tennis, or I'm referencing a position of having released myself from burden or demons that dominated my reality. I'm not free of self-imposed limitations. Fuck no. I would like to be able to identify one today and get rid of it this week because that would just be one of many I'm sure I don't even know about. So the idea that we can purge from within that which are all the limitations imposed upon us from both outside and from within. No, no, you're going to Bob and weave your way through a whole bunch of obstacles that, frankly, make life worth living. But as far as self-imposed limitations, 
They can come from places you least expect them. Uh, let me think of one example. Oh, no. I got one. Okay. Marriage. How, um, uh, I'll put it even further. The idea of settling down with somebody for the rest of your life. I don't know when I started having thoughts that maybe I'm not cut out for monogamy. They were somewhere in my early 20s, I'm guessing. Could have been my late teens. Because I kept cheating on all my girlfriends. And, I mean, basically I would just... uh, I, uh, I I didn't say no to almost anyone. Especially in my teens and 20s. And then in my late 20s, when I finally met somebody who I thought, both with timing of life and... Um, and the connection was, was deep. It was good. It was the first person who had, I've been stupid enough to get married to her. Things could have really worked out. She was awesome. But, uh, I just, that's when I started playing poker a lot. And that was a little bit behind her back. And then it was a lot more behind her back. And, uh, shit just deteriorated in terms of trust between us because I was being sneaky with, uh, my poker playing. And that doomed the relationship. So my first lesson in um, in deciding that maybe I was better off not monogamous, I torpedoed my own ship. Never even gave myself a chance to connect with somebody who was not the first best candidate for marriage, but was the first one at the right time in life. So then I bounced around. Obviously, I started playing poker. So the next four or five years of my life are disruptive, to say the least. I'm bartending and playing cards. But then I just stumble into the right person, online no less, and in a chat room of uh, clever pet names. And uh, I mean, of all the ways the universe tried to get me to pay attention, this was one of them. And I completely fucked it up. I didn't completely fuck it up, actually, because we had a good relationship but I wasn't ready to get married. And I should have been. She was perfect. She was exactly right for me. And <clears throat> I kind of even knew it. I knew if I passed on her, I might settle to get married. Marrying her was a jump into a pool I wasn't really ready to jump into, but it was doing it for the right reason. I didn't really know this distinction at the time. Or I might have been able to make the decision. She went on to a pretty good life. I mean, I, I'm I'm glad that we ended without destroying, without me destroying her, or if I got destroyed, who cares? But this was the one that was as if the universe said, if you can't recognize these are the ingredients that make a good future together, then fuck, good luck. So <clears throat> once I moved off from that... I transitioned to a new city. I got transferred up to Seattle in a capacity as a bartender to run a place up in downtown Seattle. And that just turned into a fuck fest. But it was fun, for sure. And uh, it was the first place I really did hard drugs. And I did a lot of them. But, fuck man, I had such a goddamn good time. And I kept making great women. I mean, great women. And it was just... You know, fuck, who do you choose? 
and I was in no position to choose at the time. But then I met somebody who I kind of met through her family. And I was starting to, I was getting old enough that I was thinking, am I going to fucking, you know, when am I going to have kids? When, you know, you got to, there's a timeline of investment that when you're now in your early 30s, was I 30 yet? Where did I turn 30? Um, I guess I turned 30 in Seattle and then turned 31 in Denver. Well, whatever. Carrie came along. At the end, at the at the end of my trips in, or my stay in the Northwest, in the circumstance of, I gotta clean my act up, and this is the family situation I should get get into. Her family was fucking great. I'm, I've mentioned her on the podcast before, thank God. But um, she she's the one I treated the worst because I kind of from the get go, both of us were like. We're in this for keeps, or we're not in, or or as soon as you're not in it for that, it's over. Like I think we both were ready to get married and have kids. We just happened to find each other at a good time, and it was the right thing. Like I shouldn't have fucked this one up, but I did. And uh, and I just I I don't know what the fuck I was thinking. I met this art dealer, and she was fucking everything Carrie wasn't. And as I'm thinking about marriage. Like I just fucked it or fucked it off, fucked it off the whole thing. And that was when I was like, I'm, I'm done with the Northwest came back to Denver. So my whole life, my pursuit of the one marriage matrimony was something that caused me constant trouble until I realized I wasn't built for that. I don't even want to be married. Like I really have no energy for it. And <clears throat> the, the way society doesn't allow that as an option, it's uh, it's something you have to overcome. You have to understand that a life alone is not a life of of uh, societal outcast, even though it is a life of societal outcast. You have to understand that society has it wrong, and be strong enough to know that that's right, and. Uh, I mean, with so much of the messaging toward happily ever after, well, it's a battle. And how long it takes anybody to get comfortable with the idea that they never really wanted to be, uh, at least in life's early stages, tied to one committed relationship. No. (laughs) In fact, had I been a lot more... um, hmm, Comfortable is not the right word, but accepting of how much I like variety in everything, not just relationships. And it's not that I like variety in relationships. I just like relationships to be intense and then done. I don't like the afterbirth or whatever. I love the honeymoon period. And as soon as that feels like it's ending, I am kind of ready to go to now. Call that emotionally shallow, which I'm fine with. But it's, to me, it's either easy and you're not in a position where there's friction or when there's friction, it's time to go. And I've made it quite, well, I've made it to 20 months a lot of times. But I, I mean, I have gotten 
a lot out of the frictionless relationships. The ones that are about discovering the upside of each other and finding how your groove works instead of how your schedules are conflicting. I don't know. I just, I like to live in that space. And when I'm in a situation where it feels like that space is being torn by a relationship that is becoming a drain, well, (laughs) it's pretty easy for me to say, I'd rather be alone. And in these circumstances, um, you also have to be comfortable with the idea that you will end up alone. And that's another hard thing to get used to in a society telling you that you, you at the very least, need somebody to wipe your ass when you fucking have Alzheimer's in your 90s. And <laughs> I will say, I do worry about becoming a ward of the state that somebody has to actually wipe my ass when I'm 90. I would never allow that to happen. But I don't know how I'm going to overcome that if I'm in a situation where something occurs and I literally am helpless in my body. So I probably should talk to a lawyer about shit like that, right? Because that's what the society forces you to do. But I know that I'm not supposed to end up, well, I don't know now. What's That's what's weird. Like, I've always known my whole life that I'm not supposed to be with one person. But now I know I'm supposed to partner up with somebody about something else. And I'm not sure that's not supposed to be a relationship even. doesn't matter. Who cares? The point is, I wasn't built to be a marriage, 2.3 kids, 2.1 cars in the garage, a two-week vacation every year to Disneyland. I was never going to fit in. I was never going to fit into any of it. Not even a little bit of it. And so, having fought my whole 20s and 30s to try to assimilate into it was time wasted. And aggravation thrown in every direction. Because never did I think, well, maybe this isn't for me. I just kept thinking, I'm doing it wrong. Everybody else does it this way. Figure it out. And then fail again. Didn't matter what it was. I just wasn't built to assimilate. I wasn't built to follow the crowd and to do what it turns out everybody else thinks will work. Nope, I'm just here to be kind, to be forgiving, to understand, to listen, and to take rewards from a day where I help anything out that needs help. That puts me to bed with the greatest of ease and makes me think my life has purpose. The rest of it, I was just chasing goals that weren't going to fulfill me in any way anyway. And having been so redundant in this season three, season three, season eight, chapter three, to say anyway, anyway, I don't know if I've ever even said those two words back to back. I mean, I must have as a kid. Anyway, anyway. All right, that's a new record. Redundancy at its lowest form. Speaking to a Samsung Galaxy S4 for 374 episodes, as I have now done, and you too will find out that you trip over words a lot more often than you think you do. Well, okay, universe, I'm back. I'd say that Chocolopes have more effect than I was going to give it credit for, but then again, I'm high, so I might not be the best judge. So, I'm going to go ahead and... um. What do we got over here? Sugar Jam Blue Dream. Be right back. Okay. Blue Dream, uh, now a very big part of my future 
plans to dream in blue. No, none of that. No, I wanted to not talk about any of my ex-girlfriends, number one. Um, and number two, speak to the idea that you just kind of pick one. When I, when I think about how, uh, I let marriage or the concept of monogamy and forever after become a self-limitation variable in play in my life, in very much in play in my life. I, uh, I wonder why I never came to a moment of sober reflection that perhaps I was not cut out for it. Okay. Obviously, that's how it turned out. So why couldn't I have had this personal realization in my late 20s and had a much less turbulent 30s and 40s? Good question. And there's no doubt that I am a big-time, want-to-please-those-around-me type of person, especially if I really don't give a shit one way or another. Then I will look for whatever will satisfy the room to the greatest degree, and if I can just accommodate that, well then, more times than not, that's the direction I would head. Today I would never be anything but myself and not give a shit what's going on that I don't care about. But back in the day, that wasn't me. So... I think when it came to showing the universe that you had your shit together, I think one of the ways that you advertise that is by walking down the aisle. Because at least if somebody else has accommodated the idea of spending their life with you, then you must have enough of a cooperative vision to have at least lulled them into a state of complacency. Or you've robustly discovered somebody with whom you do find the adventure of all forward-going life to be one that you want to be coordinated as a pair, not as an individual. Okay, I'm a huge fan of the idea of forever after, even if it's all programmed into me. I just know it's not for me. So, the, the idea that I came to... <laughs> bandage the wound, as it were, with, was that really it was up to me to know that the immediate transition from we're single to now we decide everything together would be to find somebody whose decision-making process was at least as fluid as mine. In other words, the less structure the whole thing was going to impose, the better chance it had of working. So my idea was to pick somebody who was just agreeable enough that I figured they'd be easy enough to get along with for fucking the rest of my life. So I just kept looking for easygoing women. And, uh, and as it turned out, like the only thing that would start to suffocate me was the idea that we were getting serious enough that we had to decide what's the next step? And I'd be like, I don't want to make that decision. And I'd abandon or jump into another ship and row away, skulking, as it were, into the night. However, I would disrupt things eventually. The only thing I wasn't able to knuckleheadedly 
ask myself was, is this even what I want? <laughs> uh, why do I keep self-destructing this? If this is something that matters to me, shouldn't I be able to see it through? I mean, these are such simple questions in retrospect. It's shocking that you don't go through the process of thinking that maybe that's the true core concern. It's not that marriage isn't right. It's not that marriage isn't good. It's not that marriage isn't wonderful. It's that I'm not right for it. So, <clears throat> on it goes. Until eventually you get to a point where you think, well, I don't even want to be married at some point. You just realize that all of the effort therein has been wasted. And I think if you could have had kids without getting married, that I'd have been down for. But that seemed like a, a <laughs> no. There wasn't, there wasn't a way that that was going to be accommodated within both my family structure and my own idea of right and wrong that I just... That was a path that would have been way too thorny to even try to navigate. So with all of these things in mind, settling down personally came to realize that most of what makes me me isn't a fit for society. But I do a lot of good in society that makes me feel great about who I am. So it's odd that in trying to fit into what society would see as estimable, I became fraught with dissociation and disconnect from both myself and my immediate surroundings. But as soon as I quit giving a shit, whether or not society would think anything of what I'm doing, and just started doing what I knew would make me feel fulfilled, all of a sudden, I fit fine into society. Which is why I don't know what the future holds. I'm such a different person that, well... Still completely deluded when it comes to Cupid's arrow. But all of these trials and tribulations aside, I am not the ball of Tasmanian devil misplaced energy I used to be. In fact, I am as disconcerned with some sort of cooperative coupling up as I could be because... Nothing about what I'm going to be or going to do in this future of my life necessitates any cooperative care. So, it really just doesn't, it doesn't seem like the energy that it takes to really feel good about how much I get and give in a relationship of context that deep. I think that might just be too much drain. So, after having thought about uh, kind of where I sat in this newest adventure, I think for the first time ever I'm going to pass what looks to be an opportunity that for a decade I would have begged for it to show up. And now it's like, what am I just raining too much opportunity over here? <laughs> Fuck no. No. The only thing that's raining too much opportunity is my goddamn tennis game. I just... I should join a, I, I wonder if I, I don't even know how to get ranked anymore. I wonder if I have to play my way into a ranking system. Boy, I wonder what I'm ranked. I wonder if I'm 4-5 or even 5-0 at this point. Be fun to find out. Why am I talking about this? Because nobody listening cares. Let's talk about something people care about. 
All right, how about this? It's okay to think that solo piloting is going to work for you. But you can't help, or I couldn't, even this year, occasionally running into something that's just heart-stoppingly there. And, uh, and it's a, it's a point now where I, uh, I just, I focus on how, uh, meaningful the moments, all of the moments that you have with somebody who's literally worth stopping time for. Well, I mean, uh, eventually, shit doesn't work out. You know, and whatever's, whatever's captivating in the moment rarely is persistent. And if it does persist, well, then I've got a whole new level of questioning to deal with because it never has. And... As far as I'm concerned, I think the biggest motivation for finding uh, a healthy relationship is to get into any kind of circumstance in the right frictionless uh, way. As long as two people fall into things, things tend to work out. Anytime something starts to become forced, it's just not worth the effort. And it's not a sign that things are working out when things feel forced. That's a sign it's time to go. So, if this feels forced, well, guess what? 